You're listening to The Real Life Podcast. You're about to hear a powerful message about Jesus straight from God's Word. If there's anything that we can do to serve you, please just take advantage of one of the options to get a hold of us, and we'd love to serve you today. Let's go ahead and hear what God's up to today. Him. Can you guys show some love for the worship team? How you doing, real life? You guys feeling good? Look at your neighbor. Say, I'm feeling good. And they say, I hope he doesn't make me talk to you the whole service. Amen. Hey, it's good to be with you. And uh, man, just have so much appreciation and uh, depth of friendship with your senior pastor, Richie. And uh, Man, uh, years ago, we planted a second church, and uh, by that time, I'd figured out that I didn't know too much, and so I got a church planting coach, and uh, they teamed me up with a guy from Spokane named Richie, and uh, so he tried for four years to teach me something, Uh, but I knew everything, you know, so by year five of church planting, I realized I don't know anything, and then Richie just got like way smarter. Anyone had that experience? You're around someone a bunch? Like, they don't know nothing. And then when you finally realize you don't know nothing, you're like, they knew everything. Amen. Well, it's good to be with you. I hope to be a blessing and uh, to in some way uh, be a part of the incredible move of God in Spokane. And uh, I know just from uh, knowing Richie for some time that he has uh, great love and respect for other churches in town and uh, for what God is doing up here. He's got a heart for the city more than he's got a heart for this church, and that, to me, is a sign of the Spirit. Uh, because, yeah, we often, uh, we often get about our own thing, and uh, we douse it in enough Jesus language to convince ourselves that it's godly, but it's not. And so I'm just so excited for all that God is doing in your city, and glad to be a part of it. So thanks for uh, the invite. Uh, I mean, you guys didn't invite me. You're stuck with what Richie invited. So I want to thank Richie uh, for inviting, and you guys for, you know, trusting him enough to, to show up. It's good. Um, whenever I travel, I try and uh, bring an outsider's perspective to the churches that I get to minister in. And so it's just a very simple prayer. And that is, Lord, what are you doing specifically in this church? What are you doing through this church? What's the personality of this church. And I, I sent something really strong um, this morning that the Lord has set your church up to uh, walk out confident hope. And so I, I guess the way that I would say it is that, uh, you know, if, we're, if we lack confidence, then we stir it up through emotion or we stir it up through enthusiasm, and that never replaces confidence. And so maybe the family of God uh, at times in different seasons, I'm sure, uh, churches find themselves sort of trying to compensate for confidence and instead to replace it with sort of uh, enthusiasm or excitement. So I'm glad that you guys are excited about Jesus. Anybody excited about Jesus? But I'm glad that you have a confident hope. And so if I could um, encourage you in anything, that is, I'm asking you to live out the way of Jesus where you work and where you live and where you play with the confidence that Jesus knows what he's talking about and that he's still on the move 
in your family's life and in your coworkers' lives uh, because this city needs a church that's got the special sauce of confident hope. Amen? Amen. Well, let's get started. Lord, we thank you for your word. And Lord, we thank you uh, just for a place to gather, God. And so as I share today, uh, I'm going to preach one sermon, this, this uh, service, but I'm praying that dozens and dozens of sermons would come out of this because that's how your spirit works. You, uh, you, you sort of ride on the words of men and do supernatural things that we can't do. And so I just, I just, it's just too much time and effort uh, to come all the way up here for people to uh, hear me. And so I'm hoping by some incredible movement that you would speak to your people, that you'd bless them, that you'd feed them this morning. So Lord, as, as we uh, open the word, Lord, may the words of my heart, uh, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing in your sight, God. You're my rock, you're my redeemer, you're my very best friend. And all my friends say, amen, amen. Uh, my, my boys have got a new side hustle. Anyone got a side hustle? Well, you got a side hustle. What's your side hustle? You got a few. Okay. Uh, that's code word for mafia. But um, I'm just, okay. Anyone got a side hustle over here that you can say without threat of getting arrested? Uh, nobody? No side hustle? Yeah, what's yours? What's that? Health and wellness. All right, she got a, she's got essential oils for everybody. See her after service. That's going to happen. My boys have got a side hustle of lemonade stands. And uh, right now, the average, I think, uh, Riley, you can help me out. It's about 100 bucks an hour they're making at the lemonade stand. So I'm like, man, I need a side hustle. Uh, so I've been trying to get in on the game, and they're just like, no. And I do. I go out there with my mustache, and nobody stops. And so my kids are cute, and they just do it. But uh, the other day, a lady uh, quickly paid my boys for lemonade uh, with fake Disney money. And I just thought, man, I thought the world was bad. But to give Disney money for lemonade at a lemonade stand is just a new kind of evil. Can I get an amen from the North here? That's just crooked. You know, killing people, whatever. You know, robbing your neighbor, fine. Disney money? No. But the underlying sort of thing that I, I think about is, as my boys did, they said, what is this? Is this true? Is this real? Uh, it seems to be sort of in the quake of the human soul is an annoying question of, is this real? Have you ever sensed it? We sense it everywhere, don't we? Is it real? Is it authentic? Is it true? These sorts of things. Uh, I took my boy to um, Bass Pro Shop or Cabela's, one of those. I can't remember. It's been some time. And uh, my confession to you, if you couldn't tell um, by the shirt and stuff, I'm an indoorsy type. And I realize that you guys are outdoorsy types. And so I was there to buy a gift for my father-in-law. That's why I was there. And they saw me coming. And they're just like, here he is. Wow. Well, my son, being the son of an indoorsy type, was frightened by the bear, okay? I, I, I took a picture of it. Just look at the little guy. He's in flip-flops. He has no protection. And he sees the bear, and he's just, that was his, he's like, hey, hey, hey. I'm like, son, what's wrong? He goes, he's like, are you kidding me? What's wrong? 
the bear. Uh, he goes, I said, son, you don't have to be scared of that bear. And uh, he goes, is it real? I go, ah, how much do I go into this, you know? Uh, I said, well, uh, it used to be real. But people like Poppy like to kill things and pull their guts out and stuff them and then place them in stores. It's fun for adults. I said, so it's not real, but it used to be real. That's what I told him. So as sure as I'm standing here today, we round the corner and my son lays his eyes on this display. And he's just like, it's like, dad, I trusted you. And I said, son, it's not real. And his next question was, did it used to be? So I said, yes, son. And when your grandmother goes, we're going to, no, I didn't tell him that. Is it real? I brought another picture. I don't know if the media team's going to show it. The first service, it didn't show, and I thought maybe I stepped over a line. Ah, we have a man with a fork and a knife and a chicken thigh with bones in it. I have to ask myself, is that real? Can you imagine eating bone-in chicken with a knife and a fork? And then we see Kim Kardashian. She's enjoying that burger. Do you notice it? What do you notice about the burger? Ain't a bite out of it. <laughs> is it real? Is it real? When we really start to think about this, it would be hard to exaggerate the importance of truth in our whole lives. Baseline of science. What's real? Baseline of scientific theory. Figure out what's real. And the problem really comes in humanity, people like you and I, who listen to scientists and wonder if they're telling us the truth or if they're finding what they want to find. It's, it's almost like a, it's like, a, it's like a terrible perversion of a great grace that God has given us. Minds to think, minds to do experiments, minds to learn things and to cure cancer and to do all sorts of things. It seems like quite a, a left turn to take science and not make science about what is actually real, but to make it about something else. Are you with me this morning? If we really think about this too long, we start to notice that the baseline of everything that we're on, the, the, the structure of this stage, the tuning of this piano, is really based on truth. And so to try and live a life without truth uh, is very difficult. Our whole justice system, the judges, the, the attorneys, wouldn't it be nice if they were all after the truth? Who here has had at least one sleepless night where you think the justice system is not about truth? Yeah. All those who've been arrested. Amen. Side hustle. <laughs> he's like, okay. Good thing he's going back home. It's a long ways off, so you don't have to worry. Are you following me this morning? Tonight, we're, or, uh, this morning, we're talking about truth. Uh, we're talking about truth. A couple of years ago, I, um, <laughs> I, I, I started a new journey about two years ago. 
And it was a journey in telling the truth. Now, some of you guys are like, that's scary because we read, you know, somewhere that you've been a pastor for 20 years. So it feels like 18 years of lying is a bad deal. Uh, What I mean by this is I was convicted to my core that somehow, someway, I was being affected by half-truths. That my life was limited by half-truths. That my life had somehow gotten off track, had gotten skewed, and that all that God had for me was sort of muted and tainted and, and pressed down simply because I wasn't a truth teller. And so I, I started this experiment, and it was just a very simple thing. I'm a simple guy. And uh, my habit became step back from the situation, take three seconds, and ask yourself what is actually true before you speak. Because uh, people like me can talk a lot. And people like me think fast. And people like me win arguments. And people like me do all of these things. And we might, we might win every argument. But we actually lose whatever the sort of battle that was surrounding it. And so I started this. And so it, it happened one day um, with one of my children. And, uh, and I was really frustrated with him. And he does this annoying thing. Where when he's in trouble, when I'm bringing the hammer down, when I'm saying like, son, you got to start doing food math. And I didn't get any corn on the cob. Uh, you know, just, just normal stuff. He looks at me with this annoying thing and he smirks. But it's not like the you're so dumb. It's like I can make you laugh. And so this, this got me for about 10 years. It got me. I just, son, your airsoft gun, your, <laughs> and I just started laughing. And he'd smile, and then it was like the, the battle was over. He won. Until two years ago, I decided to tell the truth. And I stood back, and I said, what's the truth about this? And I looked him in his eyes, and I said, son, listen to me. You can make me laugh. And you, you, you're, you're, you're just a handsome guy, and you do things, and you laugh, and then when you're in trouble, like, if you make me laugh, then the whole thing is off, and I'm here to tell you the truth of the matter is that your comedy and your facial expressions and your ability to wiggle out of certain situations is actually not going to produce life in your life. And so from now on, whether I laugh or not, I'm going through with the punishment. And that's the day his whole life changed. Silly example, but there comes a time when you look at your spouse and instead of saying something like, I don't know, it's just been a rough day, you instead might step back and you might ask yourself, what's the truth about the matter? You might look them in the eyes and you might go, hey man, I know we're, we're around each other a lot, but I feel lonely. And, and you... It seems like we should ask about one another's days more. It seems like we should show more interest in one another. And and I'm just concerned that once these kids move out, we won't know each other and we'll be like all the other empty nesters. Because the truth matters. And so I've been asked this morning uh, to hop into your guys' series. 
And uh, it's a series about maturity. And what I've been asked to do is I've been asked to speak about how mature Christians engage in spiritual warfare. That's what I've been asked to do. You're like, well, you're off to a terrible start, preacher. Uh, I've been asked to sort of deal with Ephesians 6 and uh, see if we can glean something about uh, spiritual warfare. So that's what I endeavor to do with the remainder of my time. Let's open the scriptures to Ephesians 6. Ephesians 6, we're going to start at 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's against the devil's schemes. The devil's schemes. The devil's schemes? The devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers and against authorities and against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground And after you've done everything to stand, stand. Stand firm. Then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, and pray in the spirit on all occasions at all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Pray also for me that whenever I speak, words may be given me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel. Now, the last time I tried to preach through Ephesians 6, it took me uh, approximately... Uh, nine weeks to do it. So I hope you guys are ready. I'm teasing. Uh, When I was asked to preach uh, last year about the supernatural realm, about the council of heaven, about angels and demons, about all of that, that took us about six to seven weeks. And so I'm not going to try and do all of that. Uh, What I'm going to try and do is do a very small piece I wouldn't want you to mistake sort of the brevity um, for uh, as an indication of its power. Because what I want to show you is what I believe is the most potent weapon of the enemy. The most potent weapon of the supernatural realm. The greatest, uh, the greatest guns of Satan is what I really want to talk to you about today. And simply put, very simply put, here's what I want you to understand. You need the belt of truth. You need the belt of truth. I don't know if you know this, but you are soaking in a culture that is raising you. You're soaking in an algorithm that is feeding you. You are soaking in a family that normalizes this and doesn't normalize that. You're living in a world, in a city, in a nation that is teaching you at all times what is true and what is not. And I have to tell you, Spokane, if you want to be someone who has a vibrant 
uh, life of battling in the supernatural, you need the belt of truth or you don't stand a chance. You do not stand a chance. The things that are debatable today were laughable 10 years ago. Am I right or am I wrong? The belt of truth. There's so much metaphor about belts. I'm not even going to get into it um, because I've been convinced of seven different ways of reading the scripture on Ephesians 6. So I'm not going to get into that. But, but my simple message today is you need the belt of truth. Now, if you think about the arsenal of the evil one, uh, if you think about sort of the, the, the stuff that you think of when you think Satan and demons, it's dark. There's like goats and there's like stars and there's like weird stuff and weird people and lots of eyeliner. And there's cauldrons and there's witches and there's warlocks. And listen, I have experienced tremendous things that if I were to tell you, it would defy your theology and it defied my theology. So I have to tell you, I believe in supernatural beings. I believe that there are angels that fell like lightning from heaven and now war against Yahweh. But I don't want to get lost in cauldrons and I don't want us to think Halloween thoughts this morning. I want us to think about the most potent way in which we are affected by the work of the enemy. The way in which you are attacked by the enemy, the greatest movement of the devil in your life, the greatest ground the enemy has ever taken in your county is through lies. Lies that you believe, lies that you've told yourself, lies you've told other people, lies the enemy has told you. The enemy comes with a whisper. And it's not so much the lies we've heard or that we could articulate. It's the lies that we live by oftentimes without even knowing what they are. I hope today to reinvigorate a people of truth who say, I need to know the truth. I need to know the truth if I'm going to be a kingdom person. Is that you today? Hopefully that is. Hopefully that is. Lies are Satan's most potent weapons. Jesus was having this wonderful discussion in John 8. It's recorded in John 8. And uh, Jesus is sort of arguing with these religious leaders. And uh, it's, it's sort of this argument about who's your father and who's in and, and all these sorts of things. And Jesus is, is speaking with them. And Jesus says, I am the son of God. God is my father. They say, well, you know, is Abraham your father? He's just like, oh, we'll talk about that later. But he goes, God is my father. And then he says this. Because Jesus might have wore, wore Birkenstocks, but he didn't have a Birkenstock heart. Do you see what I'm saying with you? He might have worn sandals, but his heart was combat boots. And so he walks up to these, these men and, and he says, listen to me. If you had God as your father, you'd know who I am, but you don't know who I am. What did Jesus say in so many words? God is not your father. That's kind of hard news when you're the religious authority. And so Jesus dives into it, verse 44. He says, you belong to your father. <laughs> it was like, I love Jesus. I want to hug Jesus. No, you don't. You'd be like this. Oh boy. That's what you would be like. 
Once Jesus started talking, you'd be like, oh, boy, here he goes. Jesus looks at me, he goes, listen to me. You belong to your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desire. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth. For there is no truth in him. Your father never tells the truth. Your father is a murderer. Your father from the beginning cannot tell the truth. When he lies, he speaks his native language. (laughs) Isn't that crazy? Like, he don't know French. He knows lies. For he is a liar. And he's not just like pretty good at lying. He hasn't just picked up a bad habit. He's the father of all the lies. No lie has been born except through Satan. You want to know what kind of offspring the enemy produces? Lies. Yet because I tell the truth, you do not believe me. That's your Jesus. Did you hear what your Jesus said? Because I tell the truth, you do not believe me. I've got to tell you, church, you need the truth if you're going to win in the supernatural realm. And so to put it plainly, here's who I want to speak to with the few minutes I have left. I want to speak to those of you who are totally freaked out by Ouija boards, which you should be. But you are not concerned about your inner thoughts. You know enough to stay away from Ouija boards, but you don't know enough to stop a cycle of demonic activity in your thoughts. So the question we start to ask ourselves is, what lies do I currently believe? What lies am I listening to? It's in Satan's history. Isaiah 14 believes his own lie that he could ascend to the Most High. He sort of frames it differently for Adam and Eve and and he, he, doesn't, he doesn't bust out, you know, a broom, and he doesn't bust out weird seances or anything. He just simply whispers a lie to them under that tree. So what sorts of lives are we tempted to believe? I love coming up here uh, almost to Canada. Uh, my father, my father, um, Well, I was going to tell you that he was a mortician, but then that makes the mannequin joke not quite as funny um, and the mafia joke. So I won't tell you that he owned a bunch of funeral homes, but I will tell you that he lived in Montana. And, uh, and uh, when I was young, we went boating uh, a lot. And I'd come to see him in the summer and, and on Christmas break and things. And, and uh, he left me with the boat. And he said, son, I'm going to go get the trailer and listen to me. Don't let that boat turn around and the prop dig into the concrete. The only issue is that he gave me one rope. I was attached to one side of the boat. Now, who already knows we've got a problem? He met a snake on the way to his car, and so it took him 45 minutes to get back. And by the time he got back, the boat was just... (laughs) And my father, from about 50 yards, started in on me. He says, son, you can't do anything right. He called me every name that you could imagine. 
and I still remember in my mind's eye just the, the, the gasp of the other people in the boats are trying to help me as my father is raging. And I told myself a lie that day. I didn't know I told myself that lie yet. But I told myself a lie that day. And years later, uh, my senior year of college, I got my first, like, C on something. I was pretty decent at school. And it hit me hard. It hit me hard, the C. And, uh, man, it just really rattled me, you know. And I'm going to the head of the department. I'm doing all this stuff. And the Spirit of God spoke to me. And the Spirit of God said, Jared, I want to tell you why the C matters so much to you. Thank you. And he took me back in my mind's eye because I was on that boat dock. And he showed me that I'd sort of made an internal pact with myself. That in order to live life free from hurt, I must be perfect. It seemed like one of those things that like once you start to unravel it, it just shows up everywhere. And I I noticed that like my friendships were sort of like tainted by my inability to ever admit that I'm wrong. And And I started to notice that like my, my marriage had sort of, it, it had this sort of air about it that, that I could never be forthright. I could never admit I was wrong. I could never be the one who doesn't know the answer because I believed an internal lie that perfection was the only way to relationship with people. So I guess my simple question is, what sort of internal lies has the enemy whispered to you? There's probably a good bit of us who believe the cultural lie. One of the prominent cultural lies that I see is that the only way to the good life is to remove restraint and to give in to all your desires. If you're angry, rage. If you've got got some sexual appetite, just feed it. If you don't have what you want, push, prod, manipulate, overpower. But it seems to me that the kingdom of God is one that woos. The kingdom of God trusts God and takes my hands off of the steering wheel. It seems to me that I don't even know what my authentic self is until I learn to live without giving in to my desires. It's almost like the desires are meant to mute us, to trap us, to make us same. If you've got friends who've ever battled in the, in the addiction world, you realize that addiction makes people the same. They're chasing the same things. They have the same sores. They have the same issues. They live in the same places. But the kingdom of God that teaches us to live for God, not a slave to our, to our shallow desires, but it frees us to be artists and to be business people. It frees us to be mothers and fathers. It frees us to be 
to be fully alive in Christ. Are you hearing me today, church? The cultural lie says your authentic self is sort of like you being bossed around by your desires. But the truth of God, the truth of God that sets us free is I am not a slave to my flesh. I'm a slave to Christ. My joy is found in Christ alone. And my spiritual warfare is not finding some some cauldron to spin or some witch to yell at. My spiritual life comes when I say, no, I do not believe that lie. I do not need that. I do not need to push. I do not need to prod. I am a child of God and the God of the ages goes before me and behind me and he's all inside of me. Hallelujah. The enemy's tearing us up, church. The enemy's tearing us up. And it's in our minds. Man, I have so many notes. I can't even share. Let me give you a couple more things. You guys got time for a couple more things? Hallelujah. My curiosity today. What does this cost us? What has the people of God living according to lies cost us? sure like to sing about the power of God. But it seems like a lot more Christians should be walking with their head up high because they walk in spiritual power. See, a simple truth like sexual purity gives me spiritual authority because I know that when I fall sexually, I don't want to pray. I know that when I give in to my lust, that I don't want to disciple anybody. I know that when, when, I, when I do dumb stuff sexually, I don't want to show up at church. Because our sexual purity gives us spiritual authority. And the house of God should have strong men and strong women who say, God has control over my body. My body is not my own. It is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Why in the world would I would I take the body of Christ and unite it to a prostitute? I can't do that. So I'm going to show up to church. I'm going to sing loud. I'm going to pray for people. I'm going to disciple my family because I'm strong in the Lord. So I just wonder what it's cost us. And then I wonder what it's cost you. I wonder what it's cost you. I wonder in what way the enemy is just a prowling lion seeking you and devouring you. I wonder. So today, church, I want you to smile. I want you to smile. I want you to smile because the God we serve showed up in human form in Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ said, I am the way, the Time's up. 
heard one of the best sermons in my life. This crazy church in California last month. And I'm stealing all the notes. These weren't his notes, but this is his note. And the title of his sermon was, Time's Up. And what he said was, Time's up, devil. I know the truth and I've been set free. You cannot hold me down any longer. Are there men and women today who say, Time is up. Time is up, enemy. I will not live. I will not live a slave. I will not. I will live according to the truth. Let's take a moment. Let's bow our hearts before the Lord. I just want you to ask a simple question. God, what lies am I believing? Spirit was moving over the waters. Spirit come move over us. Rest on us. Come rest on us. We're doing spiritual warfare right now. You're doing spiritual warfare right now. I know some of y'all are Baptist. I ain't going to tell. You're doing spiritual warfare right now. When you're asking the Spirit of the living God to ask you to show you the lies you I wonder if there's a couple here. I wonder if there's a couple here that got off to a rough start. And maybe you lived together before you were married or maybe some other sort of something happened or, or, or maybe, I don't know, maybe, maybe your friends um, sort of like started making a lot more money than you. And maybe there's a pervasive lie inside of you that you are less than. Maybe the enemy has whispered to you, you don't have what it takes to hang with healthy people. So you might as well just settle down in dysfunction. Maybe the enemy whispers, I know what family you came from. I know what side of the city you came from. And maybe there's been a work of intimidation. I'm here to tell you that you are a new creation in Christ. That the old is gone and the new has come. And that he who is in you is greater than all that is around you. And that there's no reason for you to bow your head in shame. You are a child of the Most High God. Maybe there's a teenager here today who thinks you've you've ruined your witness. They knew you in middle school. Don't believe that lie. Adults, can you help me? Can you tell them don't believe that lie? (laughs) Scripturally, it says, it speaks about resurrection, but what I want to say is, God makes people brand new and lets them be reborn. Your reputation can be reborn through Jesus Christ. You can start to live with with him today. You can start to obey his ways. 
You can start to feast upon the truth of God. And He will give you a new reputation. By the time you graduate, all the Christians in your high school will be sad you're gone because of the leadership and the move of God's Spirit that seems to come through a life that is bound to Jesus. I don't know what the lie is or the lies. But I need to remind you that he's the good physician and that you can trust his bedside manner. So I don't want this conversation to end in this room. But maybe as a habit of your spiritual warfare, along with your fasting and your praying and your church attendance and your discipling someone else and all that stuff, maybe it would make sense for God's people to simply ask in our journals, God, what lie am I tempted to believe? Last question. If there was someone on earth who could look you in the eye and tell you the truth about what they suspect the lie is that you're believing, who is it? Is there someone like that? If so, maybe pray for the courage. (laughs) Say, God, help me. Ask them that tough question. But I know the heartbeat of this church. And so I have to ask you this last question. Who are you personally investing in who can ask you what lies they probably believe? And have you offered your services lately? To say, hey, I want you to win. And I would love the opportunity to graciously and lovingly peruse your heart. To rid your heart of the lies that you're living. To the glory of God. To the glory of God. Father, thank you for your kindness, God. Thank you for your kindness. You're doing something. All of hell trembles when the people of God live with the spirit of truth. And so I bless these people. I thank you for this church. May they be truth tellers to the glory of God. And it's through the one who is the way, the truth, and the life. And we know that no one comes to the Father except through you, Jesus. It's in that name we pray. Amen. Let's applaud our God, all that he's done. Amen.